0: Let's make Glennis feel welcome. Before I get started, I wanted to say that um, I've got some resources that I've used and that I've found really helpful. Um, And there's a link on on the church's website for Summerfest, which is sfest.org. There's a link to some articles and some websites. Um, There's also four books that I've... um, either had recommended to me or I've looked at myself. One of them is Strictly Parenting, which I'm actually going to refer to this morning a little bit, by Michael Cargregg. Uh, one of them is Thriving at School, um, which the title drew my attention when I saw it in the uh, bookshop and I knew I was doing this topic. Um, and so there's the bookshop have really kindly... They don't have copies of these, but they've really kindly done a piece of paper with the name of three of those books as well. Um, but I would want to encourage you to go onto the website um, and have a look at that when you go home, it's already there, I checked it out yesterday and it's got the details because this is a massive topic and I think we need to be continually reading through and thinking through our parenting and how we help our children Uh, and so the more that we can be reading and talking to other people, uh, I think the more helpful we can be as parents. I want to start as well by saying this is a day by day journey to me, Um, I have to, this is a reminder to me as I talk to you, what I'm saying is a reminder to me as well because I make mistakes continually, I can um, fall victim of a lot of mums and kind of beat myself up about the number of mistakes I make, but this is trying to encourage you to, yeah, we make mistakes, we can move on, we can learn from them, um, and how we can help our kids through their struggles at school. And so when I started reflecting on this topic, I went to one of the best research places there are, which was Facebook, and um, I asked for people's opinions, I was brave enough to put on my page... This is my topic. Tell me what you want me to talk about. What do you think would be helpful? And I got a great response. It was massive. I got some people that said something. I got other people that private messaged me. And it was really, really helpful to think through what to talk about. And I'm going to suggest that anybody who's got children in school or has had children who've been through school can say that they could share more than one time when their child has had problems, maybe once a week at school. So when our child is struggling at school, there's often other underlying issues that are going on. There can be things going on at home, and there can be things going on within them. And school's where it comes out, because that's where they spend a lot of their time. And so I want to talk about some of the causes of those problems and how we can be helpful as parents and carers, rather than hindering. There's a lot of different things that our children can be struggling with, but I think that With most of them, the way we handle them and the way we help them is quite similar. And we're going to look at some ideas to help you help your child when they struggle at school. A key thing that we need to do is help them develop develop resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is the social and emotional ability to deal with the ups and downs of life. It's a process. It's not something that we're born with. And the more stress you go through doesn't necessarily mean the more resilient you are. It's about how you cope with the stress. And it's a really important life skill. So the first of the problems uh, that our kids can face are the, f- the ones that they face at school that can be caused by school. And I think bullying is where a lot of us go straight away, so we'll start with that. Uh, The New South Wales Public Schools website defines bullying as repeated verbal, physical, social and psychological behaviour that is harmful and involves a misuse of power by an individual or group towards one or more persons. Often one of the dangers these days is that parents overuse the word and they do it so much so that their kids have learnt to overuse the word. And so they talk about bully when they really mean a mean kid now, kids are mean. They were when we were at school. They are today. And I think, in all honesty, we could reflect on our school days and think, there's still things I cringe about that I did that were mean. But I wasn't bullying, I, just, I was mean. When our kids come across mean kids, we as parents need to help them think through how they handle them, but we need to not overreact. And if we're building them up at home, then hopefully they can stay strong and not let other kids' mean words or actions pull them down. But if we move on to what bullying is, and and when this is happening at school, we need to be encouraging our children to find their voice. They need to learn how to stand up to the bully uh, and get the teacher to help them if they need that help. There's a lot of books on bullying. Uh, Bully busting is one, and that's on the piece of paper as well. And it's a good one to read, especially if you've got a child who is. Um, in in a situation where you wonder whether they're being bullied or whether you know they are. As parents and carers, we are our children's advocate. So it's okay to go and talk to the teacher. Uh, It's okay to go and talk to the head of that stage, you know, the deputy principal, if if we need to. But at the same time, once we've done that, we need to step back and let the school deal with the issue. All schools have an anti-bullying policy. And most schools act really quickly to to prevent bullying from happening. But they can only do that if they know that it's happening. So within bullying is also the child that's been labelled, rightly or wrongly, a bully. The child who's been labelled a bully has a really hard time moving on from that reputation. That's traumatic. But as parents, we can help them through that. And we can do that by talking uh, to them about what's happened, encouraging them to admit and own their behaviour and not to blame others. Then we can help them think through how to do things differently, how to manage difficult situations. It's tough for them, but we can help them to move forward. Another key issue at school can be a clash with a teacher. A perfectly good kid, well, not perfect, none of them are perfect, a good kid can get a good teacher, but there's a personality clash or there's some kind of clash. Again, as parents, we need to help them to manage this. Because unless the class is really big, we need to help them to stick it out, not just to try and change classes. We can teach them life skills here, how to manage a person who thinks differently to us, how to work with them, how to behave in a way that will actually get the teacher to like them uh, or to warm towards them. There might be a place to talk to the teacher, or again, the head of the stage, if you go to the next one up, but in a way that wants to move forward together, not just demand a change of class. Our children actually need to learn that the world doesn't revolve around them, and they can develop a lot of confidence as they handle difficult situations well and come out the other side. Tension with friends can be another big factor. I think we all have examples of where our kids have had tension with their besties and uh, being besties again the next day. Um, but this can affect them if there's, if there's tension. It can affect them in the classroom and at home. And as parents, we need to teach our kids how to be good friends how to handle difficult situations, how to handle nasty kids. When our child is sharing with us a difficult situation from school, it's helpful for us to remember that there's another child in another house sharing the same situation through their own experience with their parents. I find it helpful to ask my boys, they've got a great expression in in describing stories, I find it helpful to say to them, what do you think they're telling their mum and dad? Um, and if I think it's serious enough to actually intervene, um, I'll tell them that and I'll say, I think it's serious enough to intervene, but I need to know you're not exaggerating. So when I go and speak to the teacher and I ask the teacher to get both of you in a room and talk about what's happened, I need to know that you've not exaggerated. Often, the severity of the situation has settled in their description. And it's not even that they intentionally, they're not lying intentionally, they're just you know, they're passionate about their emotions and they're all there, okay? Um, I have seen many situations as a school counsellor where a child has gone home and told mum or dad about something, their version of a conversation that they've had with a teacher, with a child, or even with myself. The parent hears it and panics and calls the school or emails and goes for it. And then when the situation is looked at in a calm time, It actually comes out that the child has exaggerated and that it wasn't quite like the child went home and told mum or dad. But the parent has forgotten to ask questions before they've rung or emailed, emailed late at night, uh, and accused. So we as parents need to not be too quick to react. Take time to hear your child out. Remember that they might tend to exaggerate as they tell their own version. And remember that there's two sides of any incident. Because often the next day they'll be friends with that child again or they'll go to school and it'll all be over. They'll have moved on. We need to move on and let go. On that too, don't send an email late at night. Don't, just don't do it. Um, Especially if you've had a few ones. But even if you haven't, just don't send an email late at night. Uh, Don't go and talk to the child, the other child in the playground. It's not appropriate. Don't even call the parents of the other child. Encourage your own child to work it out. And then if that doesn't work, go and talk to the teacher. Or talk to the parent if you know them well enough, but be wary of that. Facebook is not the place to vent about anything. The school, the teacher, your child, your child's friend, your friend. You don't vent on Facebook. You just don't do it. Another stress that our children go through is their choice of friends. Now, somebody said that to me and I thought, yeah, I think the stress is more with us as parents about their choice of friends um, because who they choose to hang with will affect uh, who they decide they want to be. Those friends can have positive or negative influences on them and that largely depends on our child and where they find their security. Make sure you know your kids' friends. Talk to your children about what kind of friend they want to be. Talk to them about what kind of friend they want and talk to them about peer pressure and making good choices. Express your concern if you see them making some choices you don't agree with, but be very wary of banning them from having certain children as their friends because that can cause a stronger desire to connect with them. As soon as mum's saying, stay away from that kid, there's something in a kid that goes straight to them. Okay? There's something in our children that does that. If your child's behaviour starts to deteriorate and they happen to be hanging with new friends or with a child that you're not real sure about, be careful not to blame the friend for that. Your child is making their own choices. Your child is choosing their behaviour. Yes, they might be influenced by another child, but they're still choosing how they behave, how they speak, and who they are as a person. Sometimes parents can blame other children for their child's behaviour. That takes away the responsibility for your child's choices. Blaming other children for your child's behaviour doesn't develop resilience. It teaches them how to blame other people for their behaviour. Talking your child through that friendship and how to manage the peer pressure can lead to resilience and strength in our children and how empowering it is for them when they make choices and find an inner strength that they didn't know was there. So next I want to talk about home life. A lot of research has been done and it shows that children with challenging behaviour are often the ones, not always, but often the ones who watch a lot of TV and, have, and play on screens and don't have chores at home. Those who have parents who kind of guide them through some chores and some activities um, behave better than those who are often sitting in front of screens and, and spending a lot of time there. Now to me that makes sense. I see it in my own children. Often after amount of time in front of the TV, but more so in front of the Wii or iPads, and they only get half an hour in one sitting for this reason. They come off and they're wired and they're just full of this crazy energy. And it's more energy than they had before they even sat down. That energy's got to come out somewhere. And so when they have also if they sit on them late at night, okay, and they haven't had enough screens, enough sleep then that can also affect their behaviour at school the next day. And while we're on screens, all the research shows that screen time too close to bed, and screens I actually mean, screens I usually include television, but this is iPads, tablets, that kind of intense bright light screens are really bad for our kids. They're also really bad for us. It actually prevents us shutting down properly and us, our eyes shutting and resting Um, the bright light of the screen does affect their ability to go to sleep. So we need to put limits on screen time for our children. We need to keep them off games after dinner. Sometimes we don't realise the connection between what's going on at home and what's going on at school. Parents splitting up has a massive impact on children. In many cases, the parents are working so hard on managing all their stress that they forget the impact on their children or they just don't have the energy to process stuff with their children. The feelings of guilt, distress, regret, disappointment, grief and anger that the children feel don't get processed. They go to school carrying all that plus more and that's just a recipe for trouble for them. As a school counsellor, I often have parents ring me and say there's a lot of tension at home or our marriage is split up. Could you please follow up my child? It's one of the best things that the parents can do in that situation. That's what school counsellors are there for, um, and they often need to talk to someone who's not involved in the core of the problem just to offload, and it can give you a bit of relief because you don't have to get too much offloading as well. Lack of attention at home or lack of family time can leave a child craving for attention. And in that case, they often seek it wherever they can. School, again, is where they spend most of their time, and so that's where they seek it. Some seek it in sympathy, so you've got the little, often girl, but the little child who's often needy and um, in tears. And others will seek it however they can, which could well be with trouble, because any attention can be better than no attention. Also, children who don't have boundaries at home have no idea how to set limits on their own behaviour. And at school, this this can cause them to be distracted and distractive, and less academically motivated. They come to school, and they think everything should go their way, because at home it does. Michael Carr-Greg, in his book Strictly Parenting, uh, talks about this a lot. And he talks about um, how random events happen, and life isn't always fair, and so children are going to be disappointed. He says that we need to help young people realise they won't be happy all the time. They need opportunities to experience feelings of anger, sadness and disappointment so that they learn how to get through them. And he says that they need to learn from emotions and learn that they actually eventually do pass. It's through failure that children learn to be resilient. Parents need to teach their children that anything worthwhile takes time and effort and that everyone fails. And what matters is you do what you do next. He continues in his book to discuss children at various ages and stages, and he says if we understand our child's age and stage, we can better help them. So it is a really good book. It's worth a read. But then I want to address the fact that the problems our children face at school can be because of their own issues. Their own insecurities can lead them to seeking attention in unhelpful ways, like I talked about before, and as parents we need to help them through those insecurities. If we're not aware of our own insecurities, then that can rub off on our children. It can also, help us, it can also make it difficult for us to help them through theirs. And that's where a counsellor of some kind can help. Um, I'm often referring people on to counselling. I think counselling is a great thing, I know I am one, but it's helpful to talk through some stuff and just get somebody else who's not involved to um, help you through some ideas. There's also children with either personal, behavioural or intellectual issues. Our involvement as parents is really important. Being honest with the school about what the struggles are and letting the school know all the information you have allows them to help your child as best they can. Anxiety. Anxiety is a key issue that many children have and it's increasing in number and unfortunately it often goes undiagnosed. There's definitely an increase in anxiety disorders in children and adolescents. And if it's untreated in childhood, it doesn't go... It rarely goes away. It'll show itself as something different as they get older and it will become more complex. I found a really helpful quote about anxiety from an article in the Australian newspaper just last month in December, and that's on the website, um, from... Quoting Dr Elizabeth Green, who's a paediatrician. And she said that there's rising levels of stress and self-harm among children. Modern parents are too busy, too pushy and too quick to bubble wrap their kids against every discomfort. The result is a generation of children who fret over failures, have poor self-esteem and worry about issues beyond their control. Children need calm, consistent, reflective parenting and time for play. And she criticises parents who crowd their children's lives with too many extracurricular activities And says that playing in the backyard or in the park with friends is better for a child's mental health than watching TV, chatting with strangers on social media uh, and entertaining themselves with online apps. The article also quotes Megan Mitchell, the National Children's Commissioner, about a six-month investigation concerning suicide and self-harm. So moving more on to teenagers, uh, or it's starting earlier. She talks about the dangers of not addressing anxiety in our children when they're younger Suggesting that they're more likely to become obsessive compulsive, have panic attacks, and develop eating disorders. She said that parents need to teach their cho- children it's okay to fail so long as they keep trying. Children need to confront their fears and build their coping skills. Instead of saying they can't do something, they need to learn to say, I might make a mistake, but I'll get better. Sometimes we as parents can't handle our own anxiety, we're seeing our child fail. And that leads us to get in the way of them building resilience. So, how can we as parents help our children with their struggles? We can help them develop resilience. Now, I've already given a few ideas throughout the talk, but I'm going to finish with 10 points. And I suspect when you hear them, some points you'll go, yep, I got that, got that, got that. I'm not saying that these are 10 points that you don't do any of, um, but I need to be reminded of them regularly in my own parenting and I'm hoping that you might take away two or three as, as I go through them. So firstly, the start of the day is key. Notice how your child's woken up and is feeling about the day. Have a morning routine on a school day. Talk about any anxieties they've got about the day. Have a set time that you leave for school and stick to it. Secondly, the end of the day is key. Sleep makes a massive difference. Limit the use of screens after dinner. Don't let them take screens into their bedroom. Have a set bedtime and stick to it. Thirdly, set time every day to talk to your children. If you can, then eat dinner together. Turn the TV off. Avoid yes-no questions and think about creative ways to encourage them to talk. And I realise that that's easier for some kids than, than for others. If you have teenagers... Use car trips. If they don't really like to talk, use car trips to talk to them because they're not as threatened because they don't have to actually look at you. They can just look straight ahead while they're talking to you. And it's, it's very effective. Um, I don't have teenagers yet, but I find that we have great conversations in the car. So it's helpful to turn the music down or turn it off. Don't let them sit there with their headphones in in the car. It's time to chat. It's time to hang out with your mother, um, which is lots of fun. And engage them in conversation. Fourthly, when there's a problem at school, don't let your child know that you're not happy. Encourage them to try and manage it themselves. Go and speak to the school if you think you need to, but don't pull your child into it. Sometimes without realising it, we can project our own frustration onto our children. They're fine about a situation, or they might be a bit funny, but they're coping fine until they see that we're not. Fifthly, be involved in your school. It helps you develop a relationship with the children in your children's class and with the teacher. Help in the classroom if you can. Help at an excursion if you can. As they get older and you don't do that anymore, there's other ways to be involved. Do canteen. Join the PNC. Go to meetings. Get involved. Help out. Even sometimes go in and pick your kids up just so you're meeting the other parents and getting a feel. I'm not saying every day, but a couple of days a week, go in and pick them up and... Hang out with the parents at school. Don't be the uninvolved parent who only turns up to the school to complain. Six, don't be too quick to change schools if there's a problem. Get your child the help with their problem and help them to stay at school and work through it. I've seen children change schools and it's been a really helpful move. But I've also seen children change schools and the same issue just comes out at the next school. If the underlying problem that the child is struggling with doesn't get addressed, changing schools won't achieve what you want it to achieve. You're actually in danger of teaching your child to avoid difficult situations rather than to grow through them. Seven, I touched on it before, get your child to bed early at night. Many problems are avoided if our children are not overtired. We know that. We know that in ourselves. We know that in our kids. Eight, get your child to school on time every day. If they're late, they often miss what's the most important part of the day. It's where the teacher sits them down. I've watched it because I do reading groups and I sit and watch what the teachers do. And they mark the role. They get a feel for where their children are at. You know, the kid that's got their hand up and has to speak, they get to do that. Um, And they tell them the plan for the day. It's also when a lot of literacy work is done, especially in the junior school. And if your child's late, they're missing out. Nine, don't use Facebook to vent. It's unhelpful. And finally, we need to stand up and be our child's advocate, but we need to know when to sit down and let the school and the teachers do their job. Thank you. Thank you, Glenis. Some really helpful points there on how to help our children navigate not only school but life.